KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. Even the weekends, it's been 40 degrees or it's been pouring rain or anything like that. Yeah, you, you kind of grumble when you get home, but uh, all in all, you just really enjoy that kind of atmosphere, that kind of setting. It's just the, just the whole point of the pen relays. You know, people come back every year to the pen relays and sit in the same seats. And our guest this week, sports writer extraordinaire from the Philadelphia Inquirer, Joe Giuliano. Joe, thanks so much for taking the time. Hey, man, thanks for the invitation. I'm flattered. So let's talk a little bit about what life is like for you these days. How much since the pandemic started have you been able to cover stuff in person? And how much have you, uh, you know, had to rely on Zoom and watching stuff on TV and, and doing it that way? Well, things got better. We got into the summer and uh, it looked like there was going to be football. And then it looked like there wasn't going to be football So in the Big Ten. So that was uh, kind of nerve wracking. But starting with September, uh, Big Ten uh, offered to uh, start football again. And Penn, and Penn State, which is my college football beat, was active. Uh, I covered uh, five games in person at Beaver Stadium, but I did not attend any of the road games. And now my winner beat is Villanova basketball, and I've covered one game in person, the January 19th game against Seton Hall, which if people recall was the first game after the 27-day pause, double pause, uh, after Jay Wright and then two players tested positive. But uh, I have not done any uh, basketball away games, and uh, I think my second home game will be uh, Georgetown uh, on Sunday. So that's that's really where I've been at. But as you said, I, I've been, uh, covering stuff off the TV, doing interviews off of Zoom, using the internet, covering different teams, you know, filling in on LaSalle, St. Joe, and Drexel when I can. So it's been uh, it's been interesting, but it's still been busy, which we like busy. You know, people were, were criticizing sports writers back in the summer saying, when sports writers would say, oh, we really don't think they should be playing football because of the pandemic. And people would say, oh, you just don't want to work. You guys are just lazy bums. Well, no, we really didn't want kids to get sick. But this is our job. I mean, we like getting paid. When the pandemic started, they said, well, Joe, you're not going to be working sports for a while. We want you to do obituaries of people who have passed away from COVID. And I said, well, I don't think that's a real, that's really in my comfort zone. But as I got into it, it turned out to be a very rewarding beat for, uh, I think I did it for close to well, three and a half, four months. And uh, it worked out fine. I, I felt badly for the people, but it's, it's great how family members uh, are eager to talk about their loved ones who are deceased. And uh, that really made it a kind of a, um, as about as uplifting a, a, an assignment as you could get. How much from the sports writing standpoint, do you feel like you lose, uh, lose anything when you can't, when you're not at the game, when you're trying to do it over zoom, when you're doing it on TV, do you feel you, you lose a lot or do have you found ways to, Obviously, you've found ways to deal, but found ways to compensate. Yeah, well, the, you, you do miss the personal touch. There are there were some schools that still let you in the locker room, much fewer as, as time has gone on. But, you know, you, you like the, the ability to talk to someone one-on-one, which does not happen over Zoom. It's just that the person in charge, the sports information director, in my case with college games, uh, will say, well, we're going to have the coach and then the, this player and this player. And I think if you asked, you probably could get it in a pinch. But a lot of times uh, with the Zoom, we're working on deadline. 
in a case of, say, um, teams playing away games, like if, if you cover like uh, LaSalle or St. Joe or Drexel, an away game over over the Internet or off of uh, NBCSN or CBSSN, um, you have to wait for the coach to call. And sometimes that takes a long, a, a little longer than you like. But, you know, all in all, yeah, you adapt. Um, you, you have to. Um, and you try to give uh, you, you try to make it a, a, as good as you can. The thing that I like too sometimes is if you're watching a game on on, on the internet, whether it's uh, ESPN Plus for LaSalle and St. Joe, or uh, Flow uh, Flow Hoops for Drexel, a lot of times the the box score that you see is like a minute or a minute and a half ahead of the actual picture on the screen, and you're like, oh, they went ahead there, like, and then all of a sudden you'll see it like a minute later, but. I kind of play a game with myself. It's uh, it's uh, kind of goofy, but like I said, you get through it and uh, you move on to the next one. Are there things that you've learned or tools that have developed specifically like Zoom that you think when we will get through this pandemic one day and when it's over that uh, you will still use that will kind of accentuate your ability to, to cover things? Yeah, I mean, you, you can see that see it that way. Um you know, Zoom is, is easy for everybody, really. I mean, the coaches just go into another office and they, they get on Zoom or you or I get on Zoom, uh, you know, in our homes. You know, it certainly cuts down on travel. You know, the uh, Inquirer, uh, since this all started, other than, you know, major events like the uh, campaign and the uh, demonstrations during the summer and things of that nature. Yeah, you have to be at those places. But, you know, for, for sports, it's like we really haven't traveled a lot. You know, Villanova has a game later this month at Creighton, and I really like going to Omaha, but it doesn't really make any sense to, you know, make that trip or to ask the boss, hey, can I make that trip? It's, you know, it works out much better this way, you know. And, of course, with the pandemic still with us, uh, you know, getting on a plane is not my idea of a smart move at this time. But, uh, yeah, once we get through this and get things a little more back to normal, I think we'll just pretty much stay on the course that we're on now. Maybe cover more games in person, but not, you know, we'll still have Zoom instead of like personal visits and things like that. So let's talk a little bit about your career. Was writing always the goal growing up? Was this, uh, did you always want to be a sports writer or always want to be a newspaper writer? I think when I grew up, Matt, I think sportscaster was a little in front of sports writer because when I was in high school, we had one pair of binoculars for the four or five of us who were at the game. And uh, when I got the binoculars, I would just do a commentary on the game. And somebody said, hey, Joe, you should be a sportscaster. Well, you know, I thought about it. I said, that looks like a really cool job. So um, when I got to my first week or two at Temple University, they had a meeting for the Temple News staff and a meeting for the kids who wanted to uh, join WRTI. And when that happened, it was like, the line for WRTI was down the hall, out the door, outside to the dorm. That's how long the line was for people who were interested in working at WRTI. And I said, well, as much as I want to do this, there's probably very few sportscasting jobs because it's, a, you know, it's not, it's a, it's a, it was a, a strictly jazz station at the time. And they, and they covered live sports and that was pretty much it. So I went over to the Temple News offices and uh, the, the line was a lot shorter and I got to meet some really good people on the first day. And I said, you know what? This this looks like the, the place for me. And uh, 
I've been um, very, you know, I've been very fortunate. I mean, I, I learned a lot at Temple, you know, majoring in journalism there. They have a great J school. And uh, from then on, it was just, you know, a love affair with the, with the job. Did you feel like you were good right away? It's, oh, I mean, you enjoy it, but did you feel like you were good right away? Oh, man, that was awful. I remember the first job I had out of Temple was I was interning at United Press International in Trenton. And um, God... You know, I, I, I put in all the tools that I learned at Temple and they were and they were helpful. Don't get me wrong, but there was so much more I had to learn. It was brutal. You know, I, I survived there. And even though uh, my internship ended, they uh, they said, well, you know, we'll keep you on, keep your name on file and we'll uh, call you if we have any openings. I'm like, yeah, right. I mean, so but two months later, they called me back, gave me a full time job. And that's uh, that started the career. So what were you doing out of the gate there when you got that first full-time job? Well, the first full-time job was uh, a lot of news writing, um, mostly the night shift uh, in Miami. I worked at my, the Miami Bureau of UPI for 14 months, and it was mostly a night shift stuff, 4.30 to 1. Um, but, yeah, doing a lot of news, hardly doing any sports. The only sports I did at, at UPI Miami was Miami University of Miami football, and back then they were terrible. They were 2-9 and nine the year I covered them. Um, and that was the backup on the Dol- on the Dolphins. Uh, we had a writer, a veteran writer, who uh, covered the Dolphins as kind of a beat. We, he couldn't go to every practice because we had to do mostly news. But I was the quote runner and the sidebar guy for uh, the Dolphins. And then I remember one assignment where um, I was sent to um, Joe Namath's nightclub in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, when it looked like he was going to go to the uh, USFL, not the USFL, the WFL. Remember the WFL? Yeah. Um, this was in 1975-76, and uh, Namath had a press conference at his club and uh, to announce that I was staying in the NFL. I am not going to the w, to the WFL. So it was it was quite an event, though. I mean, there was there were everybody like there might have been of the people there. There might have been like five percent media and ninety five percent hangers on celebrities and things of that nature and uh, free drinks for the media, which. <laughs> Made me, which taught me a lesson early on that you don't drink at work. As a, what, 22, 23 year old, though, first full time job, Miami, Florida, there are worse places you could end up for a first full time job. So my mother kept saying, I said, no, I want to work in Philadelphia. She said, oh, no, Miami. What's wrong with Miami? I thought, nothing really. But yeah, it was fun. It was very educational. And the people we had in Miami were very experienced. When you, like when you go to work in Miami, you don't leave. You know, you just stay. I mean, there were guys who worked there for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. Um, so I learned a lot. I was very lucky that, uh, you know, I got to know how to do news because you're stuck. I mean, you're, you're not like a sports writer. You're, you're, you're everything. You have to be everything. You have to be the weather guy. You have to chart hurricanes. That was a thing about working in Miami. You had a big map. And if there was a hurricane coming, you would just circle the longitude and latitude every time there was a statement to kind of get the track and get an idea when you had to write these stories. So, yeah, there was, there was plenty to learn. And then finally, after 14 months, which was not a lot of time, but uh, I had uh, some temple people at UPI in Philadelphia and I told them, I said, hey, if there's a, an opening that springs up, let me know. So uh, they did, and I left, and the boss in Miami was not very happy, but I got to work in Philadelphia, and uh, 
when I got in Philadelphia, which was in the 76, March of 76, um, I worked news, but a little more sports as we went along year by year by year. And then by 1979, I guess, they made me a full-time sports writer. So that was, uh, that was the start of a really good, uh, a really good run because I got to do all the professional uh, teams, um, all the home games, not, not many road games, got to do Penn state, the, the home games, not any road games, but, uh, it was, uh, it was the start of something really cool. And then in 19, I worked at UPN in Philly till 1985. And then, uh, the, then in 1984, there were two, uh, political conventions and two Olympics. And at the end of the last convention, UPI came out and said, we're going broke. We're going to be all going to have to take pay cuts. We're going to have massive layoffs. So don't, uh, you know, like don't make any plans, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I managed to hang on. But in the meantime, I went to the uh, Daily News and the Inquirer to uh, see if they had any openings. And after a while, the Inquirer uh, was kind enough to uh, bring me aboard uh, in May of 1985. And so that's uh, 35 years ago. 35, well, it'll be 36 in May, but that's, uh, that's been the story of the, uh, the career path. <laughs> there has been no movement since then. Thank, thank God. How was life different, uh, for, was there much different from day to day working for a wire service to going to working for a newspaper? Uh, was the job basically the same or were there some things that were specific to a wire service that you, when you go to the, the Inky, you don't have to worry about anymore? Yeah. Well, the, the thing that the wire service teaches you more than anything is you got to write fast. You know, it's got to be fast. It's got to be right. And you can't you can't just you can't take time out. I mean, when a story happens in the wire service, you write it right away. And, and, and then you fill it in as you go along. You know, more calls, another story, more calls, another story. But you have to keep it going. Um, and that's really what was a big benefit to me when I got to the Inquirer, of course, being an AM paper. You know, you're writing a lot on deadline, and uh, I, don't, I don't know how to say this. I don't think I'm the greatest writer in the world, but I think my deadline, my writing on deadline skills are pretty good, and they've really put me in good stead, uh, you know, because when the editor sees that, you know, like Villanova has a 9 o'clock game tonight. We're taping this one on Wednesday, February 3rd. Villanova's a 9 o'clock game tonight, and people know that, you know, we're past deadline by that time. We're just writing for online. But, you know, anytime you're up against it, you know, I think people know that if I'm writing it and we have a lot of paper guys at the paper, a lot of employees at the paper who can do that. I mean, I'm not the only one, but I think they know that they're going to get a, a good, uh, you know, a good story quickly. Excuse me. So when you come to the the Inquirer, the Daily News, or you come to the Inquirer, are you overwhelmed at all? I mean, Philadelphia Inquirer, you're talking about a, a, a staple American newspaper. Uh, now, obviously, you know, you're not, a, you've got good experience at this point, but what was it like coming on board? Well, I don't know if your, uh, your viewers are, are, um, know who Ralph Cramden is, but, um, when I got there, I was just like, I'm not, I'm, 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 you know, I, I was just in awe. I mean, there were, I mean, back in those days, the Inquirer was winning Pulitzers on a regular basis. You know, Gene Roberts, uh, Gene Foreman, Jim Naughton. I mean, these were like all stars. And, and I'm like, just kind of like trying not to stub my toe, you know, not trying to do anything uh, bad. 
just, you know, really trying to show that, um, you know, maybe I'm not on the level of these people, but I, you know, I'm certainly going to do the job and I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I, I looked at myself, really, when I joined the Inquirer, they hired me to be the night rewrite guy. So I worked every day from like 4 to 1230. I, I considered myself the uh, utility infielder of the staff. I mean, I would write the, uh, I would write, the, I would take wire stories and rewrite them for space. Uh, we did a sports people column back then. There were roundups, sports in brief. Uh, those were my jobs. And if there was any, on any occasion that they needed somebody to go out to a football game or to help out somewhere else, you know, I was there for it. But um, yeah, that was just really, I, I'm still mad. I'm still in awe of the people who work at our newspaper. I mean, I'm, I'm older than most of them. And it's, um, it's just a, a, a fabulous experience to watch these people work. Um, especially this year. I mean, during the pandemic, during everything that happened after George Floyd's murder, it's just been, and, and, and the political situation, the convention, and of course, the, uh, the uh, events that led up to the insurrection at the Capitol. These people are magnificent writers. They, they, they go the extra mile. They, they work long hours. They're out there just you know, doing everything they can to, to make our product as good as it can be. And, and that just, you know, I, I'm still honored to work there after all these years. How much, because this is something, like when I look at where I am in my career, you don't realize it, but like my early jobs where I had to, I was introing records and I was covering local municipalities municipalities and stuff like that and high school football and and all these things they really helped make me into the broadcaster i am today but you don't realize it at the time you're just trying to get through the day and you're just you know how much did you realize at the time the the vast different types of things between the wire service your early days at the inky you mentioned you're rewriting you're doing a little news early on you're doing sport did you realize the breadth of experience and the tools it was giving your toolbox at the time, or is it something you look back on at a certain point? And you're like, wow, look at that really all helped get me where I am today. Yeah. It's kind of a mix of both. Actually. Um, there were, there were, you know, I, I've always been very proud of my time at the wire service and, and, and we don't, there's not many of us left UPI closed quite a while ago. Uh, we still have a couple of guys at the inquiry who used to work at UPI including uh, Tony Wood, my uh, Philadelphia buddy, who was one of the uh, co-conspirators to get me to uh, Philadelphia in the first place. But yeah, it, it was just a valuable bit of experience. And then as I've gone along at the Inquirer, like even those uh, days on, rewrite, on the rewrite desk, you know, those, those really prepared me for the, uh, it, it, it just got your work used to the amount of work you had to do and the things you had to get to, to achieve like, uh, you know, a victory on that day, you know, like, oh, I, I got this story. This was a great story. That was pretty good. I remember doing a story about Larry Boa when, um, uh, when you know, he had gotten traded to the Cubs and then uh, the Cubs didn't want him anymore. And uh, I, I got uh, a number for, for Larry Boa and I called him up and he was, he answered and we did a really nice interview about, yeah, I'd love to come back to Philadelphia. And and uh, the bosses were really like, wow, you know, Joe went that extra mile. And that's the thing. If you're at a newspaper like the Inquirer, like going the extra mile is required. Back then, I don't really know if I was going the extra mile, but this proved me proved to me that it's something that that uh, I needed to do. And uh, it will be, you know, it will be 
like an important part of the uh, of the newspaper experience. But yeah, and after that, you know, working you know regular beats, you know, mostly in college uh, sports, whether it be football or basketball, uh, you know, covering the Big Five as a unit rather than as you know an individual team. Yeah, there were a lot of neat things that my experience was uh, was a big help to me in uh, you know tackling these uh, you know additional challenges and beats and and uh, it's been you know very rewarding. I, I I really feel that. You mentioned that Boa story and you talked about how early on you were kind of in awe being at the Inquirer. Do you remember a story, a moment uh, where you really started to feel like I don't know, like like you belonged, like I can do this at this level and I'm going to be okay. I just think the reaction I got, like just filling in uh, on things that were needed, whether it be rewrite, like these, are, these were the early years. The fact that I, like you said, you're so kind to say that I had these tools in my toolbox uh, was, was a real benefit. After like a series of things, I was like, yeah, this is really like very cool. I mean, this is something that I can do and, uh, you know, I can be good at it, you know, and um, yeah, that was really nice. I'm, I'm thinking of, of things that that I might have done that uh, told me I could do this. And uh, I'm not really <laughs> I'm not really uh, nothing's really coming to, to mind right now. Uh, like we had the, like this massive coverage when when Pelly Lindbergh uh, was killed in the automobile accident. And uh, it was like all hands on deck. I mean, there was nobody you, know, you couldn't uh, hide out anywhere. It was like you you were part of the. Uh, part of the team and uh you know that that was really a, a, a an interesting experience a, kind of an emotional experience really because you know we're covering sports fun and games uh isn't it great and then all of a sudden this major tragedy happens uh, uh, a young man gets cut down in the prime of life his prime of his career and uh it was just really uh quite a um, it was just a lot of uh, go 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 just work come up with new angles, you know, we all did. And uh, yeah, that was something that, that I remembered uh, pretty uh, clearly. The other thing I remember too is uh, as we go along in life, uh, Joe Carter's home run in the, uh, that won Toronto, the World Series in 1993. They said, all right, Joe, you're doing Carter. How much time do I have? 25 minutes. Oh, okay. Went downstairs, got Carter. Thank God we got Carter. Instead of joining the locker room celebration and all the champagne. They brought Carter into a little back room where like uh, five people had like access to him right away. And so we scribbled down stuff and I went upstairs and I wrote it and it was just like, I don't know, not to pin any roses on my own lapel, but it was magical. I mean, it was just the fact that I wrote a a coherent story in that short of a time on the world series hero was, uh, I, I, I was kind of proud of that one. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with the Philadelphia Inquirer's Joe Giuliano right after this. And we are back on one-on-one. Our guest this week, Philadelphia Inquirer sports writer Joe Giuliano. What is the key as a beat writer? If you're talking to a young reporter who is taking over a beat, regardless of what sport, you know, what level, what is the key to doing it well? I mean, obviously, be a good writer and stuff like that, but I think beats are something special that require a a real human touch to do them well. Yeah. Well, um, preparation is, like, always number one. I mean, if you're going into a new beat, you, you have to really know everything you need to know about a, a, a beat, whether it's the coach, uh, the players, the schedules, uh, what uh, – 
you know, get to know the, whether it's a college or pro beat, get to know the sports info director or know your, uh, the public relations person for the pro team, you know, uh, ask around, you know, some of the older writers will, will help you along a little bit, you know, uh, just try to find tips wherever you can. Of course, sourcing is always a big thing. Try to get, you know, get to know people associated with the team and, and, and kind of see if they can, you know, maybe give you a hand every once in a while. It's, it's not an easy job, but, uh, you know, it, it's it's something you really have to work at. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid to work. Don't be afraid to work on your days off. I know that's, you know, that's, that's, uh, there, there are some people that don't like working seven days a week, but sometimes it's what it takes to, uh, to get the beat down get it right. And, uh, you know, just be kind of a, a reliable uh, source of information for the readers. I mean, that that's the thing, you know, you're working for the readers, you're not working for yourself, you're working for the readers, you're asking questions of coaches and managers and, and things like that with, because the people want to know, you know, you have to inform those people that, uh, you know, what's happening with these, uh, with these teams. So yeah, that's, uh, that's a long winded answer to that, Matt, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's very important preparation, concentration, focus, you know, and working for the reader. That's that's pretty much all of it. I don't want you to throw anybody under the bus per se here, but in all your years of working multiple beats, are there any people you've covered that have made working that beat incredibly difficult or to the other end of the spectrum really helped uh, make the coverage all it could be? Well, that's a good one. Uh <laughs> I always think of the tale of like Roly Massimino. I mean, when Roly liked you, he really liked you. And when he didn't like you, he was kind of, he would bark at you quite a bit. I mean, all in all, he was a good guy. Don't, don't get me wrong. And um, I think in the early, when he saw my last name, he said, oh, there we go. But um, yeah, I, but you deal with all these guys. I have never worked with anyone who has been like just miserable all the time or, you know, you know, there are times when, you know, like, like I remember, uh, I, I didn't cover the Phillies when Jim Fergosi managed them, but I did enough playoff games. I did the World Series that year, 93. And uh, like the time, there would be times where he get a question from somebody and he'd just stare at him and go, oh, yeah, right. You didn't play the game, did you? Like, oh, well, I played. Sure, I played. I understand baseball, but not these really hidden strategies of these professional managers or anything like that. But, uh, but yeah, there was no, um, uh, I'm trying to remember where I, where I was with my, Oh, but I was just thinking that, you know, there really was no coach that made my uh, day miserable. Like Joe Paterno say, like I started covering Penn state football in 1976 for UPI and met Joe Paterno and he was very nice, you know, very gracious, you know, welcoming me to the beat. And he was a hard guy to deal with sometimes if he didn't want to answer a question or, you know, he thought that you were, uh, you know, trying to throw slip him a fast one, you know. But um, the funny thing about Paterno was I covered Penn State football every year uh, from 76 to 84, left UPI in 85, went 25 years without covering a Penn State game. And then 2009, I got the beat for the Inquirer and uh, Joe Paterno was still the coach. So I think he was like, getting uh, getting like uh, uh, reconnaissance from people like do i know that guy i think i've seen him before like and uh said oh yeah, yeah joe i know you all yeah right but still you know it was interesting that you know we were 25 years i was 25 years away from the beat when i got to cover paterno again and uh that was pretty funny 
And then, of course, uh, doing Villanova. I, I've done Villanova probably 15 years, I guess. And um, and Jay Wright's been the coach there for 20. So, uh, you know, he's been, he's been, always been a, a real good guy to deal with. In fact, I, I was always – I got so many comments from writers at the 2016 Final Four, you know, because Jay would be doing interview after interview, and, and people would walk up to me and go, Joe, is he always like this? And I go, well, yeah. <laughs> wow. You have it so good. Well, I guess as coaches, uh, you know, go, yeah, it's, it's been pretty, uh, it's been a pretty cool experience. What would you say, and you, you talk, you know, you mentioned that Boa call, if you had to put one scoop, one story at the top of the list of your career, is there one that just jumps out that, uh, we would put at the top of that list and, uh, why? Um, I covered the Sixers for four years at the time of uh, Allen Iverson, and um, my competition was Phil Jasner, the Daily News, who was the best NBA writer of them all. I mean, incredibly sourced. Just, I mean, I get to the point where I'd, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd go to the paper to see if Phil had like Iverson being traded. You know, I was like, oh, God, no, I didn't want that to happen. But, uh, but when he did get traded, you know, it was. Interesting. I didn't beat him on anything, but I thought my work was, you know, good. Maybe not as good as his, but just almost as good. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, say that I'm, I'm better than him because I, I wasn't. But it was really like a, a, a circus around the time that he was going to get traded. Maybe he's getting traded. Ed Snyder wants him traded. No, he doesn't. Uh, but finally, when he was traded, I mean, I think I... I I stepped up to the plate, you know, that kind of thing, because the competition was brutal. And um, so I, I kind of appreciated the fact that, you know, that um, I kind of I kind of held up under all that. But, uh, yeah, that was um, that those were like pretty incredible days. But those are ones that really stick out uh, nicely. I'm sure after I finish this uh, call with you, I'm going to think of like 10 things. But that's the one that like popped into my head. So. We'll, we'll go with that for now. Do you have a favorite sport event to cover because of just your enjoyment of the sports, maybe the experience, the people you deal with? It, is there one that's at the top of the list? Because even now, you just you have a very vast – you mentioned Villanova, Penn State, but I know you do golf, you do the relays, like, and all the things you've done in your past. Is there one that you really enjoy the most? Yeah, I, I got to go with the pen relays on that. Uh, I, I just really, I, I look forward to it every year, and it's just a lot of work. And you know what? So what? It's just so much fun. I, I felt so bad when it got uh, canceled this year, uh, this past year, and uh, and then Dave Johnson left, which is you know always my go-to guy. But I've covered the pen pen relays every year since 1976, and I have just had. Uh, a ball every year. It's never been work. Even the weekends, it's been 40 degrees or it's been pouring rain or anything like that. Yeah, you, you kind of grumble when you get home, but uh, all in all, you just really enjoy that kind of atmosphere, that kind of setting, just the, just the whole point of the pen relays. You know, people come back every year to the pen relays and sit in the same seats and, and, and talk about like the old times and appreciate the new times and it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, I always said, like, you know, when I retire, and I hope the Inquirer will let me retire, and not, not the other thing, you know, I, I will 
you know, I'm hoping to end my career at the Penn Realist because that's that's just like the best. And uh, I uh, have enjoyed it so much. We talk about the, the vast experience and stuff like that. Do you feel your style as a writer has changed from your early days at UPI to now? Well, UPI, you, you really had to keep it straight. And even at the Inquirer, you know, sometimes you, you, you tried to like maybe kind of, you know, humor it or try to spice up your story a little bit. And the editor would look at it and go, eh, well, I don't think so. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, sure, your writing evolves. But I think in all the years I've worked at the Enquirer, I don't think I've ever liked any story I've ever written. Like, you know, it's it, there's always one thing you can do to make it better. Sometimes you'll lay in bed and you'll go, oh, I forgot to mention that in the story. You know, right before you go to sleep, you'll think of that. You'll be like, oh, God, I messed that up again. But, but you know, when you're a writer, you're your own worst critic. Uh, one of the big guns at the Enquirer, Jim Naughton, once said, uh, you know, we're all plagued with creative insecurity. And that's true. I mean, the story is never good enough. You know, yeah, you got to send it in. You can't work on it any longer. The time has come. You got to file the story and give it to an editor. But sometimes you'll read it in the paper the next morning and go, oh, God, I should have moved that up. I should have not talked about that so much. I mean, there's always things you can do to to just drive yourself crazy. And that's part of my MO, actually, driving myself crazy when it comes to grading my own stories. Is there a writer you've worked with that you think has had the most influence on your career? Oh, man, there's so many. <laughs> Bill Lyon, I think, ranks at the top of the list. Because not only was Bill a great writer, he proved you could be a great writer and be a good guy. You know, there are some egomaniacs in our business you know, on a national scale, uh, you know, that are sometimes tough to deal with. But Bill was just always so human. I mean, he treated you like, you know, you were an equal. And I was never Bill Lyons equal. But he was just the best guy to work with, the most considerate, you know, hey, Joe, I'm going to do this. Am I getting in your way, Bill? You never get in my way. Just go for it, and I will... I will write around you. I mean, sometimes like a columnist thinks I have to write around the, the guy who's doing the main lead. And, um, but no, I say, look, you write what you write and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, you know, I, I've always enjoyed the, the times I was with Bill. I was with Bill at, you know, final fours and golf majors and things like that. Uh, you know, just, uh, yeah, Penn State football, a wonderful, wonderful man. I mean, I, I, I adore him. I, 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 I'll never forget him. What is your favorite part of being a sports writer? Is it the events, the people, that adrenaline of writing on deadline? The, what would you say is your favorite part? Well, I always tell people that I became a sports writer. You know, I, I taught a sports writing course at Temple back in the 90s. And they said, uh, oh, Mr. Giuliano, I want to be a sports writer. I love sports. I said, no, you can't just love sports if you're a sports writer. you got to like the sports and you got to like the writing. And I think, I mean, it's even for me. I, I, I really like the writing. I like chronicling stuff I've seen or people I've interviewed. That's the best part of it. I mean, that's just... 
that that's kind of where the magic happens. You know, you, I, I, like I've said, I'm I'm not a real fan of my writing sometimes, but I really enjoy you know covering something, especially a big event. I mean, Villanova's two Final Fours in 2016 and 2018 were like just incredible things to cover. The 2013 U.S. Open at Marion was an incredible event to cover because there's so much preparation that goes into it. By the time the thing actually happens, you're like, let's go. This is like, I've prepared like weeks for this moment. Let's do it. And then you get like a 2016 ending in the final four where Chris Jenkins hits the shot at the buzzer. And you're like sitting there going, man, I can't believe I just saw that. And then you look at your watch and you go, you better start writing or you're not going to get in the paper tomorrow. So uh, it's just the, the magic of stuff you can see. I mean, I've been fortunate enough. I, I, I mentioned Chris. I mentioned Joe Carter's homer. Christian Leitner shot a 92 at the Spectrum. I mean, I've covered three of the greatest endings in sports history. And, you know, and to be able to have gotten that on paper or on a computer screen and write it up, and, you know, it's just like fantastic. My first Masters in 1986 was won by Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas, my first major uh, for the Inquirer. And I'm thinking, if I don't write a good story about Jack Nicholas winning the Masters at age 46, then I'm never going to cover another major tournament again. And I got lucky. I wrote a story that everybody loved. And I've been covering majors. I think I've covered 60, 70 majors since then. So it's, um, it's just incredible. Like the things that you see, but just writing them really is, is the, the tonic that, that, you know, makes me just really love this career. Is there an event you have never covered that you would like to? I mean, within the realm of possibility, is there anything that's just never come across your plate that you would still love the opportunity to do before you, you hang it up? I mean, other than a Springsteen concert? <laughs> um, actually, the World Cup. I've been fortunate enough to cover two Olympics uh, track uh, in LA in 84 and all kinds of winter sports. I didn't understand first before I got there in Salt Lake city in 02, but the world cup, I think it was something that I would really like to, you know, I'd like to be a part of that in some way, but yeah, that that's really the only thing I've covered world series. I covered one super bowl. <laughs> I, when I worked in Miami, I covered super bowl 10 and I was like the seventh man on a six man rotation. Uh, I just, pretty much got quotes and fed them to people. I think I wrote one story that was just terrible, but, uh, but I covered the Phillies in 80, 81, 83, 93 and, um, 08. Yeah, it's been, uh, that's been great. I covered the Sixers, uh, winning it all in 83, the Flyers. I didn't cover either of the first, uh, Actually, Flyers haven't won a Stanley Cup since '75, right? So, yeah, indeed, I wasn't. I wasn't even around. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's it. I didn't really have anything to do with the Eagles Super Bowl win, but yeah, it, it's there's just been a lot of things that I've been fortunate to cover that uh, have been uh, really uh, just uh, great memories. The last, I would say, 10, 15 years have been difficult for newspapers. Uh, for multiple reasons, the internet exploding, stuff like that. How difficult has it been for you just being in the middle of that? I'm sure there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of uncertainty at times. And how difficult overall has it been the last decade or so in, in the newspaper business? 
Well, when you think about it, you get sad, really. I mean, uh, newspapers have shrunken in, in uh, uh, space available to us. You know, people don't subscribe to newspapers as much as they do, although I don't think I've talked to anyone who's uh, uh, 50 or over who says, oh, yeah, I just love that digital. You know, they all tell me, I love having that newspaper in my hand in the morning. I mean, I love hearing that stuff. Uh, you know, circulation going down, you know, that's that's kind of sad. The deadlines are getting earlier and earlier. In fact, since the pandemic, we're just, we're just, uh, those of us in sports, I think I can speak for all of our people in sports. We're just like incensed that the deadlines are so early. Like if, if the game starts after seven o'clock, you don't get it in the first edition, which is just, you know, we're, we're kind of embarrassed. You know, we're, we're supposed to serve the beat, the reader and they don't get the, if the game starts at 7.30, it doesn't get in the first edition. So that that's kind of a pet peeve of all of us. But uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly hasn't helped, but, you know, you, you kind of press on and you, uh, you know, adapt to any digital stuff that they want you to do. It's not my uh, wheelhouse, but it's something that I, uh, uh, have learned over the years, uh, you know, just enough to get to get by, and we'll see how it goes from there. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing. I mean, you know, if you've been in the business, I mean, when you go back to when I started, you know, UPI in in, in seventy five, and then starting at the Inquirer in eighty five. I mean, the Inquirer was like the, the you know the gold standard for newspapers back then, and you kind of miss that. But you know, you just kind of go on and uh, get the enjoyment. Uh, which I still do of, of uh, you know, getting out, covering events and writing about them, you know, writing about people and uh, just enjoying, uh, enjoying myself best I can. Do you think a 21, 22 year old Joe Giuliano getting out of temple would still get into the journalism business today in this, in, in the current environment? Um, in the current environment? Well, I'd probably be smarter digitally when I was 22 <laughs> in the current environment. Um, but, uh, you know what, Matt, I tell people like, I wouldn't know what else to do. I mean, I've been doing this for so long. I mean, I can barely change a tire. I mean, you know, I can't cook. So I, this is it, <laughs> you know, like if, uh, if, if, uh, you see me on the street in the next few months, I'll be like, well, let me see what I can do. Cause I, uh, I really don't know how to do anything else but this. And, uh, I've really enjoyed this. I mean, I've really had no reason during my whole career to say, you know what, this really stinks. I got to try something else. And so many people have done it and so many people have succeeded. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there are people who are very adaptable and that's great. But me, I'm I'm just, uh, you know, we like to call ourselves ink-stained wretches and that's what we are and that's what we'll be. Joe Giuliano, thanks so much for taking the time. My pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Joe Giuliano, sports writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, for being our guest. Now, if you like this show and you want to help us out and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod, and you can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon1060. Thanks so much for listening and join us again next week when we will have another conversation with someone you should know more about.